Hi, I'm Joaquin Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. I pray that Jesus ministers to you through today's message and that you are blessed deeply. If you're encouraged, please like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our weekly sermons. Enjoy the message. Guys, y'all came ready to worship this morning. That was amazing. I was, I was in the side room just preparing for this morning and you were provoking me to jealousy that I had to be out here in the room worshiping with you guys. I tell you, you came stirred up this morning. It was incredible. Worship was amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, I have one more declaration we're going to put up on the screen before we get started. Can we just give a shout out to the unsung, unseen heroes in the computer graphics world who just make all this stuff just happen? Thank you so much. We love you guys. Thank you for serving. All right, we're going to say this together. Are you ready? I love my Bible. I believe that it is the Word of God. I believe I am who He says I am. I believe in its power to transform my life. I know that God will meet me in these pages. My heart is open to receive, and I boldly declare I will never be the same. Amen. Jesus, we thank you this morning. We thank you that you're in this place. God, we ask that we would never take it for granted what a privilege it is that we get to come and worship you together. That we get to stand in this room free in the presence of Jesus and that you meet us here every time. I thank you that you will open our hearts. I thank you where there is conviction needed that you would bring conviction. When there is grace needed, you would bring grace, God. So Lord, we are ready to receive from your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, turn in your Bibles with me this morning to Philippians 2. Philippians 2. I have this motto in life that sometimes gets me into trouble, but sometimes leads me on fantastic adventures, and it's simply this, how hard can that be? <laughs> Anyone else have that motto in life? Yeah, I'm actually um, watching the Alone series, if you've ever seen that, this survivalist show where pretty much you're just dropped off in the middle of Alaska with a bow and arrow and an ax and just survive. And I'm like, like how hard could that be? I could totally do that. I'm actually gonna pitch an idea to the show that they would do like the amateur series and then I'm gonna apply to be on it because I'm like, I could build a fire. Yes. <laughs> You know, I, I am a mom of three kids and I just, I love my children so dearly. And before I had kids, I always knew that I wanted to be a mom. I always knew that that was part of my calling in life. And so I had the same thought. How hard can that be? <laughs> right? <laughs> Turns out it's a lot harder than I imagined it being. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. It's incredible and I wouldn't change it the world. It is the most amazing gift and has the greatest rewards, but it is challenging. Have I got any other parents in the room that can give an amen to that one? Huh? Yeah. Why is it challenging? Because we are challenging them. 
right? We're growing them. We're having hard conversations with them. We are molding them. Hopefully, we are molding them into men and women of God who are contributors to society, right? Who are responsible. That is our goal as parents, right? To train them up in the way they should go, to teach them, to mold them and help show them the right way forward, to give them some tools in their tool belt. It's not our job to be their friends. I mean, we could preach on that subject all day long, right? How different would our society look like if parents actually parented and didn't try to be their kids' friends? Anyway, I digress. <laughs> Hopefully that is a part of our future, you know, that my kids and I would have, have a deep friendship when they're adults. But for right now, I'm having the same conversations over and over and over and over again. I'm not typically a type A person, but my kids seem to think that those little guides in the dishwasher are there for decoration, <laughs> right? One of their chores is to clear the table after dinner to take their plates up and put them in the dishwasher. And no matter how many times I tell them, you slot them in between these little guides, just goes out the window. <laughs> and I come back and I'm like, well, let's do it again. And parenting is a series of hard conversations, right? Because it's discipleship. We're discipling our children, helping them grow, helping them learn. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is doing here in the book of Philippians. He is teaching, he is discipling the church of Philippi. And you know, when these letters were written, they weren't just spoken out in the congregation and then they were done with. These letters were read over and over and over again, all the time, for years. So the church of Philippi was hearing this letter repeatedly. And so it's like Paul having these hard conversations, right? He's challenging them. Come on, guys, we can do better. Come on, guys, this is what it looks like to be children of God. Come on, he's having these hard conversations with them. And I want us to look at one of those hard conversations this morning. And so in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 through 15, if you have your Bibles, turn there with me. I know you're excited for this one. <laughs> do everything. Do what? Do everything without grumbling or arguing. This is the NIV version. And in the New King James Version, it says, without complaining or disputing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then, everyone say then, you will shine among them like the stars in the sky. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. I don't think Paul could be any more clear in this point. I don't think this is one of Paul's most revelatory, mysterious teachings that we have to go back in the Bible and uncode, right? His message is simply this, stop complaining. Just stop it. 
I tell you, there is a car seat in my car, and for whatever reason, it is hot commodity. All my children want that car seat. I have no idea why, but every day I'm like, stop complaining, stop bickering, stop arguing. And this is what Paul is saying to the church. He's saying, stop arguing, stop bickering among yourself, stop complaining. Then, then you will shine like stars in the sky. Then you will look different than the warped and cooker generation that is in the world today. You want to look different from the world? Stop complaining. Right? Okay, let's go home. <laughs> Easy. Look, this word here, grumbling or complaining, is gongusmas in the Greek language, and it means murmuring, a secret debate, discreet mumbling, or outward complaining. So I wanna have this hard conversation with you this morning, like Paul was having with the Church of Philippians. Can we have hard conversations this morning? Can we be challenged? Yes, come on. Some people are getting up to leave. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> Look, it's my same goal for you that it is for my kids, right? That they would live a fulfilled and free life. Fulfillment and freedom is not found in complaining. You were set free so that you could be free, right? Galatians 5. So let's live free. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And you might have heard that every day since you were young. This could be the first time that you're hearing those words. But I don't care if you're seven or 70. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He isn't done with you yet. If you still have air in your lungs, then he has a plan that he is outworking in your life. Amen? And can I tell you that grumbling and complaining is the quickest way to undermine that plan? You wanna stop the work of God in your life? Keep complaining. Look, what would it look like if we stopped complaining? Yes. Apparently this is an interactive service, so you could just shout out what you think. But what would it look like if we stopped complaining in our marriages? Ah, oh, you didn't do the trash again. Can't believe I have to ask him to unpack the dishwasher. I'm not directing this at you, babe. <laughs> but what if instead we were like, oh my gosh, my husband just spent two hours mowing the lawn. Right? He keeps our home. He fixes things around the home. You know what? My husband is kind to me. My husband believes in me. He champions me. It's so hard to complain when you're giving thanks. The two can't coexist. What would it look like if we stopped complaining in our workplaces? Ugh, can't believe I have to go and be around those people again. 
God, I'm so thankful that you put these people in my life. There must be a reason. Right? (laughs) Sometimes it takes a little extra work, but if there are people in your life, then God has them there for a reason. What would it look like if we stopped complaining at church? I won't spend too much time on that one. I might get carried away. No, I'm just kidding. But listen, don't we justify complaining? Don't we justify it? I mean, it's not that bad. It's not that bad if I complain. Really? Because Paul is saying otherwise. He's very clear. We, we have to stop giving ourselves permission to complain and pretend that there aren't ramifications. Look, I don't want you to be confused, so I'm going to stop here for a second because I want to differentiate complaining and pouring out your troubles to the Lord. There is a difference, right? And in Psalms, we hear David, he says, I poured out my complaint to the Lord. And I mean, really, half the Psalms are just him complaining, right? So you're like, yes, I'm justified. But actually, in the English translation, that says, I poured out my troubled heart to the Lord. I poured out my troubled heart to the Lord. And I just want to remind you, you have permission to come vulnerably and honest to the Lord. You have permission to pour out your troubles, to unburden your heart before the Lord. And I actually would encourage you to do so because pouring out your troubles to the Lord will help stop the spilling out of complaints elsewhere. They're gonna come out somewhere. So let's take them to the Lord instead of infecting all the people around us, amen? Why is this a big deal? Because I'm going to say it again and again and again. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And when you complain and grumble, you undermine the work that he is doing in your life. It's as simple as that. That is why it is a big deal. If we skip back to verses 12 and 13, we'll put them up on the screen. It says this, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. God is at work in you, whether you recognize it or not. He is at work in you. And the New King James Version and the ESV actually says to work out his good pleasure. It brings him pleasure to be at work in your life. It brings him pleasure. I want to skip and look at this to work out your salvation. Some translations say to work out your own salvation. Now, we need to be clear here because religion will tell you that you need to work for salvation. But that is not true. It undermines the entire gospel of grace. You don't work for salvation. 
but you do let salvation work in you. Amen? And that's what it's talking about here. I love to bake bread. Anyone else a bit bread? Well, that's like a tongue twister. A bread baker in the room. Yeah. It's like therapeutic to me. There's something about kneading that bread, stretching it and kneading it. We work in the yeast, right? We work the yeast in so it has leavened the whole bread. That is like salvation. You work it into your life so that it is evident in every area of your life. You work salvation in and through your attitudes, your character. Here's the thing about yeast in bread is you actually need to add something to it to activate. Right? You have to activate it. So you have to put in the gifts of the Spirit. You have to add some faith to activate your salvation. And then you work it in and you work it through. That is what Paul is talking about here. That you need to see the evidence of salvation at work in every area of your life. And you know, there are no paragraph breaks in the original text. So these two thoughts are joined together. He goes on to talk about, do not complain. That is a part of working out your salvation in every area of your life, is learning to not complain. And so oftentimes we are so worried about the working out of salvation in other people's lives, aren't we? I think that's why in some translation it says, work out your own salvation. (laughs) It's kind of like when Jesus said, hey, take the plank out of your eye before you try to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Figure it out for yourself before you start trying to figure it out for other people. God is at work in us. He is at work in us. For it is God who works in you both to do his will and to do for his good pleasure. For his good pleasure. That's the motive behind it all. Is God's pleasure is to work his plans and purposes out in your life. So let's not complain and grumble lest we undermine the work that Christ is trying to do in us. Amen? That complaining and grumbling, it distorts your vision. It distorts your vision. I was talking about um, that show Alone. Has anyone watched that? It's really, I love it. (laughs) I don't know why, it just makes me think I can do things that I can't, but. (laughs) Like, I'm like, I could totally kill a bear. I couldn't, I couldn't at all. I know, like my logical brain very much, acknowledges that, but also there's just something in me that's like, but I'll try. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Chances are I'd run and cry in a corner. But listen, one of the things that determines how long each of these people stay out in the wilderness for, because they've all got skills to be there, right? You're actually not allowed on the show unless you have a certain set of skills. I mean, that's a good idea right there. But you know what one of the number one things is? for the longevity of the contestants on the show is positivity. It's their mindset going in, and it's their mindset throughout. 
And I was watching this episode and my 11-year-old daughter was with me and she was like, man, that guy is so happy, like about everything. Like he fell through the snow and he's like, oh shoot. Well, I mean, there's fresh snow, isn't this beautiful? (laughs) Kayla was like, whoa, you know why? Because that's what's gonna set you apart. You look different when you don't complain. You look different to the world when you don't fall into the trap of grumbling and complaining. In fact, positivity is directly linked to longevity. You know, there are studies been found that you can live seven years longer if you have a positive mindset. I mean, I'll take another seven years, right? There are also studies that show that those who think positively and don't complain as much have a significantly less rate of depression and anxiety. You know, people with positive mindsets can tolerate 50% more pain. Stanford scientists have literally concluded that complaining damages the brain. Quite literally, complaining makes you dumber. (laughs) The Stanford scientist said that, not me. This isn't just God saying this, I mean, that should be enough. An easy way to complain is to look at what God hasn't done in your life. Because when you focus on what he has done, it's really hard to see what he hasn't done yet. You attract what you are. Negativity will attract negativity. And complaining's just ugly. Right? I, I know a person and every time I say, hey, how are you? it begins this laundry list of everything that is wrong in their life. And I'm like, oh. Woohoo, I feel so much joy being around you. That is not my response, right? It's like, I want to say hi, I want to love on you, but I also don't want to ask how you are. (laughs) Because I'm going to be here for 20 minutes listening to everything that is wrong in your life. It's not fun to be around. It's not fun to be around. Another thing that complaining and grumbling will do is it will create self-fulfilling prophecies in your life. Because life and death are in the power of the tongue. If you keep confessing everything that is wrong, guess what's gonna come your way? Trouble and trials and everything wrong. The concept of self-fulfilling prophecies is vividly illustrated in the story of the Israelites journeying through the wilderness. And their prolonged journey in the wilderness was primarily fueled because of grumbling and complaining. The behavior not only reflected their lack of faith, but also set the stage for prolonged suffering and delay in entering the promised land. The scripture captures this cycle of negativity in numbers where it says, if only we had have died in Egypt or in this wilderness 
Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? If only God did this for me. If only he did that for me. God, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? This constant grumbling, complaining, complaining against God is the outward evidence of a heart and life that does not trust God. I'm going to say that again. Complaining against God is the outward evidence of a heart and a life that does not trust God. So we need to check our words, right? We need to make sure that our words line up with faith, not unbelief. How we respond to the Lord matters. And I want to challenge you, if you've been in a prolonged wilderness season, it might be time to check your declarations. Might be time to check your attitude. Might be time to check if your complaining is keeping you in this prolonged season. Because God is working in your life. He has a plan and a purpose for you and it is not to stay in the wilderness. It is a life of fulfillment and freedom. It is the promised land. That is the journey he is taking you on. We can't pick and choose the parts of the Christian walk that we want to follow and leave the rest. If we are truly Christ followers, then we need to do our best to look like him, right? And I see so many times, and I'm not saying this is wrong, but I see so many times people on these righteous war paths, right? They're signing up for all of these injustice issues, and they should. And they're living these big, loud lives, but they are grumbling and complaining, and they look just like the world. They look just like the wicked and crooked generation that is at work, that is actually doing the things that they are warring against. So Paul is saying to us, hey, you want to look like the world? Keep complaining. You want to look like the world? Keep grumbling. But you want to look like a child of God? pure and faultless, stop complaining. So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault, then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky. See, Matthew 5 says, you are a light. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. So the question isn't, are you a light? The question is, how brightly are you shining? Because complaining will dim that light way, way down till no one can differentiate whether you're a child of God or not. We gotta crank that dial back up, amen? Look, trust me, when I say I understand that there are plenty of reasons to complain, right? We just have to look around. There are a lot of reasons to complain. But Paul says, in everything, do it without complaining. In everything, 
He didn't say, well, you know, if the waitress got your order wrong, then you have a free pass. He didn't say if you live in Austin and have to deal with traffic that you've got a free pass. He said, in everything, do it without complaining. We must get better at this. All of us. Paul never gives an excuse for complaining. But somehow, there are several issues in the church. We like to trumpet ones really loud that we believe in, you know, like adultery. Yeah, we are against adultery. Murder, we don't like that one either. Right? There are several that we're like, no, I will go to war on that. But there's some other ones, right? Like gluttony. I mean, I preached a message on this, but like, as believers, we're so concerned with what comes out of our mouth, yet not quite concerned what goes in our mouths. So the spirit of gluttony, of unhealth, of disease, is at play in churches more than any other people group in the world. But we are called to be the head and not the tail, right? Complaining, it's another one. Well, if I just complain a little bit here and a little bit there, I mean, what's the big deal? What's the big deal is that you are partnering with unbelief and your complaining is showing that you actually have a heart that does not trust the Lord. And if you do not trust the Lord, his plans and his purposes will not come to pass in your life. It is for freedom and fulfillment, right? So that you could live free and full. And there is no way that we are gonna be able to do that when all that comes out of our mouth is grumbling and complaining and arguing with one another. Complaining and grumbling undermines God's work in your life, period. If you take one thing away from today, I want it to be that. Complaining and grumbling will undermine the work of God in your life. How do we stop complaining? Because some of us have formed a habit of complaining. Some of us complain and we don't even know that we're complaining. We've just gotten so used to it. But I mentioned it before, the cure to complaining is thankfulness. Because you can't complain and give thanks at the same time. We have to learn to give thanks even when we can't see the plan or purpose. I don't know if some of you might have heard, we were in Redding, California a couple of weeks ago, and Joaquin mentioned this, but we had a, a water pipe burst in our house. And um, I, a lot of our house is unlivable right now, so we're staying in Airbnbs, and they've ripped walls out down to the studs, and they've ripped up the flooring and insulation and ceilings and everything, and I'm going to be super honest. I'm really struggling to find the good, right? I know God is at work. I just cannot see it. I'm just like, I'm homeless right now with two dogs, a cat, and three children, and a husband. 
You make that easy, babe. <laughs> but I'm like, you know, and then people will say, you know what, there's going to be good that comes out of this. There's going to be good that comes out of this. And I'm like, you know what? I can't see that right now. <laughs> Everyone's like, you get a new home. And I'm like, it was a new home. <laughs> But you know what I purposed in my heart is this, is I'm not going to partner with complaining. I'm not going to keep talking about woe is me and I can't believe this is happening to me and after like what felt like a year from hell, this is how we start the new year. Come on, God. But I'm like, you know what? My grandma used to always say to me, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Sometimes we just need to get the grandmas back, right? Slap some sense into us. <laughs> so I don't know what's going to come out of this. I do know that he is good. I do know that he is good and that he has good things in store. So I'm like, you know what? I can be thankful for God. I can be thankful that this didn't happen six months ago. <laughs> right now, that's all I got. So that's what I'm living on. I'm like, I'm just thankful for your timing. Because this would have been the straw that broke the camel's back six months ago and taken me out, maybe. So I don't know, but I'm, I'm thankful. However you want to turn this out, I'm thankful. We've got to find thankfulness in the places where we can't yet see him working. Because we have to trust. We have to trust that he is good. 1 Thessalonians, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in all circumstances, all of them. We have to shift our mindsets. We have to take captive those thoughts that just want to complain and grumble. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. We need to use it. Amen? We often preach on kindness and love, joy, it's like, and self-control. <laughs> you know, some people are like, well, there's grace. That's why I cuss. And I'm like, yeah, there's also self-control, which is obviously not evident in your life. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> we need to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed, be transformed, be transformed till you look so much like a shining star in the night that the world is gonna come to you and be like, where does your light come from? Why do you look different? You know, I see you show up to this workplace day in and day out and we're all grumbling, but you come and you give thanks. Why? What is that in your life that is at work? And then you say it is the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, amen? And if he can do it in my life, then he can do it in your life. Because God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Freedom and fulfillment is found in praising and not complaining. There is reason to praise. 
Always. 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 I'm going to take it one step further than my grandma. And not to say if you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say it. But if you don't have anything nice to think, then think different. Then think different. Think on that which is pure, that which is lovely, that which is good. Retrain your brain. I want to pray for us this morning. Can I get someone to come up on the keys? I want to pray for us this morning. I feel convicted by this message. <laughs> right? He does. I didn't preach to you what he's not preaching to me. <laughs> we all have room to grow in this area. I tell you, I love, love, love the local church. I love it for many reasons. But if you ask me, when you boil it down, why do you do what you do? I mean, firstly, because God called me, period. But the other two reasons is I believe that revival is sustained through the local church. I believe that when a move of God comes, it will be the local church that carries it. And secondly, my greatest desire for believers everywhere is that they would live in the freedom that Christ paid for. Physically, I wanna see them healed. Emotionally, I wanna see them set free. Physically, I wanna see them fit and healthy, running after the kingdom. In every single area of life, it is my greatest desire that Christians would be leading the way in spiritual health, emotional health, physical health, mental health. And guess what? We've been given the tools to do so. He doesn't just say, good luck. And this is a key right here that the Apostle Paul is giving to us. Just as relevant as the day it was written don't look like the world. Don't look like the world because God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And we wanna partner with that and not undermine it, amen? Can we all stand this morning? I wanna challenge you over the next week to be aware of what's coming out of your mouth. To be aware of those moments when you're prone to grumbling or complaining. And to ask the Holy Spirit to come and convict us, amen, to change us, to transform us, to allow our light to shine brighter. And so if you feel like this message was for you, if this resonates with you. If you can say this morning, Renee, I don't wanna thwart the plans and the purposes that God has for my life. I don't wanna partner with the spirit of complaint and grumbling. I wanna look different than the world. And I just want you to lift up your hands this morning.
And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come and that you would breathe upon us. That you would bring conviction in love. Not to condemn us, but to transform us. And so, Lord, we pray that you would use us this week. That you would direct our tongues, our mouths to bring you praise and thanksgiving. That you would cancel off any complaining, any grumbling, any arguing. Transform our minds, God. We don't want to look like the world. We want to look set apart for your goodness and glory. So, Father, we ask that you would transform us. We yield ourselves to you, King Jesus. Work deep in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.